Shelly, we are doing this. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I am so thrilled. I don't think there's been a guest. Where I'm great. Thank violent you. Violent agreement as quickly as you and I had. I think it was 10 or 15 minutes into our discussion. We're talking vision and strategy. And we said, let's absolutely <laughs> rock. This is going to be super valuable for our audience. Shelly, I know we're going to talk about something the audience cares about very much. These are innovators. They're all talking about te leveraging technology. How do we make work more human and especially in the healthcare industry? But before we begin, I wanted to give them a little context, and it's kind of difficult to do. I was looking through your accomplishments, unbelievable journey you've been on. I was looking, you know, named top 100 female founders in 2020, named Glassdoor highest rated CEO during the COVID-19 crisis 2020, which is also quite an interesting recognition at a time when everyone was tested. Um, you were on the featured CBS, you were an undercover boss. That's quite an experience of its own, Shelley. And I'll, and I'll stop because I'll keep going and going. What, what, <laughs> what really was most inspiring was. for me was your personal story. So what I'd like to give context for the audience is why are you doing what you're doing? How did it begin? Yeah, super passionate. I mean, a little over 20 years ago, we were looking for care for my grandmother at the time, um, my fiance's um, grandmother. And the family asked me to take care of looking for care for her in the home. She had just um, progressed uh, through age um, and through diagnosis of cancer that she couldn't take care of herself and, and her husband, uh, grandpa wasn't able to take care of her. Um, and so I started, you know, um, trying to contact a bunch of uh, companies to see if they could help us with care for uh, for Grandma Pat, and there was not one company that can do the non-medical kind of things that she needed, like bathing and making sure she was eating and taking care of her, her medications, as well as some of the injections she needed for pain management that needed to be done by a nurse. So we were having to hire two different companies, coordinate their schedules, make sure they were communicating, um, and it was a difficult experience. Mm -hmm. I also found that most of the companies mm -hmm. just wanted to quote me a rate as though I was most price sensitive um, versus caring about the quality and the compassion, the dependability of those that were going to be coming into Grandma Pat's home um, on, a, on a daily basis. And so sadly, uh, Grandma Pat um, passed away in early 2002. And about six months later, after spending time just talking to other, you know, adult daughters, adult granddaughters um, like myself, mm -hmm. like, was it just me or was something really missing um, in terms of having an opportunity to pay a little bit more and have a much different service experience? Uh, you could do it with an airline seat. You could do it with a department store. You could do it with your coffee house, um, but you couldn't do it with home care, something so personal. And so I set out to do that for what our family had been looking for. And, you know, 20 years later, we've helped hundreds of thousands of families. And it feels so great that even though we couldn't find it, every day, day I'm thinking about how do we make that experience great for families? And that always starts with the amazing caregivers that are willing to deliver care um, in people's homes and, and in a all compassionate of us have seen way. And that, that that's what Bright Star Care is all human about. Journey, you know, the challenges and, and how important it is for all the loved ones to see, you know, you know, the care to be at the level that they would want it to be. Um, and Shelly, you've been recognized through growth, but also you, you, your franchise is rated top 10, I believe, in Forbes. Is that correct? Your franchise is rated top 10, I believe, in Forbes. Is that correct? 
Yes, it, um, they do that um, every year. I think that was within the last three or four years. Incredible, that was incredible. true based and upon it, the investment range of our happening during a time yes. within the healthcare industry that brings a series of challenges across the board. Uh, perhaps you can give a little context. We have had guests uh, from healthcare industry, but I, again, I'd love to kind of bring that context top of mind before we dive in. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a, a, you know, especially with COVID, I think it has accelerated a lot of change within the healthcare industry in terms of, which I think is a great thing, that there's more care, um, that there is regulations evolving to allow more care to be delivered in the home. And so you see hospital at home, you see skilled nursing facility alternatives, you start, you're starting to see government reimbursement for personal care hours that began with changes in 2018. Um, and in 2019, it was like 2% of plans, Medicare Advantage plans offered supplemental benefits in terms of personal care hours in the home. And for 2023, 40% of Medicare Advantage plans pay for supplemental benefits in the home of the kind of services that we provide. It's not an unlimited number of hours, but between 40 and 160 hours, and then families can supplement that. But it does help the families' dollars go further to provide care in the home, which is where we all are going to want to be. We're not going to want to give up the memories of our home, the comfort and familiarity of our home. And so healthcare is really evolving. I think that's been, you know, um, a great thing for the consumer. I think a great thing for the for the employee, field staff, caregiver, or nurse, that they don't have to just work in a hospital. There's tons of opportunities to work one-on-one -on -one with someone in their home, and particularly as the healthcare worker's lifestyle and probably mental agility was, was challenged during COVID, whether they were going to get sick and then bring it home to their family and their grandparents, now having an opportunity to really have a true opportunity to have a, a, a career just working one-on-one -on -one in someone's home, I think it's great for that for their worker as well. I would say as the founder of a brand that franchised, the challenging part is change management is not easy for most um, and trying to get consistency across a franchise network where we have to evolve. We have to adapt to take government reimbursement. Families are going to need for us to. Um, and that's difficult when we've, mm -hmm. you know, pre-COVID had most of our business be private pay. And that might be at higher rates than what government is going to pay at scale. Um, and so trying to transform a franchise network is probably mm -hmm. as challenging as block as it was for Blockbuster. And they failed at it, right? Blockbuster mm -hmm. was a franchise system. They were hooked on late fees, even though the customers hated it, and the franchisees were unwilling to give up that lucrative revenue source, and the franchisor was unwilling to make the network evolve and go contrary to their franchisees, and Blockbuster is no longer in business. So if I listened to my franchisees today, we would not be even considering taking Medicare Advantage, but that's not what's right for the consumer. We need to be increasing our addressable market and having more moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas being able to access care in the home. And then we can provide private pay on top of that. But we need to be a part of the solution, not just we want it to be the way it's always been. That's not possible anymore. We have to be looking forward. We have to be adapting. And that's kind of the journey I'm in the midst of right now is helping our brand evolve to where the industry is evolving yeah. so that you we can be aligned with, with the opportunity that lies ahead. 
totally got it. I was like, yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. And late fees, I remember paying those late fees. Um, Shelly, that, that's a lot of disruption in your industry. And, and one area yeah. that I'd, I'd like to highlight is also perhaps you're seeing the challenges related to talent, whether it's talent recruiting, talent retention, talent performance. But uh, if, you, if you could, what's your experience with the talent market in the industry? But if you could, what's your experience with the talent market in the yeah, I think it is improving over the last four or five months, but but clearly there is not and will not be enough um, caregivers, nurses to meet the demand that already exists and more are get, turning 65 and more needing care and wanting to remain in their home. And so the demand is going to accelerate. And so that gap between labor supply and customer demand is there's already a gap. It's going to widen with time. And so we're having to be proactive across a few different fronts. How do we speak to the caregiver and the nurse in a meaningful way about the importance and the meaning of their work um, and that we really care about that? Um, and we do. And so I think ta um, speaking to them in that way, um, I think is really important. So I think messaging um, and then living it is really important. Um, and then I think beyond that, it's mm. once we have them, how do we make sure we can keep them? Because um, I think that it is possible to find caregivers and move some out of nursing homes, out of hospitals where they've had to be in front of 20, 50, 100 different people on a daily basis and going through a pandemic, do they want that level of exposure or would they prefer to be one-on-one -on -one in a home care setting. I think we have a benefit in terms of healthcare doesn't have enough workforce, but I think home care will have an opportunity to be a, to be a winner in the talent war, but we have to treat people well. We have to develop them and we have to recognize them. And so it's all about that engagement and retention is where we're really focused probably more so than even the recruiting funnel is really making sure we're keeping those that are coming to our brand. And so looking at things like a learning management system where we can help our caregivers get, get new skills, develop uh, competencies across different diagnoses and use that to reward them with um, promotions and increases in pay. So tying what they learn and what they can then improve the customer experience to um, improving their own employee experience. And so to me, those things are, um, are very connected. The happier I can make an employee, the more um, um, recognized and rewarded they feel, they're going to bring that to their interactions with the clients. And so I think the best impact I can make on my client experience is focusing probably 80% of my energy on the employee experience, probably 20% on the customer experience. If I've got dedicated, passionate uh, uh, workers um, on the front line with my clients and they feel great about Brightstar and what they're doing every day, that's 80% in my mind of the customer experience. And so we are doing a lot of things um, in terms of um, training our caregivers and having a, a um, learning management system that can be customized per franchisee, per location, depending on what they're what their mix of business is and where they want to prioritize the learning and the education. Um, and then we also have invested in kind of a gamification of a reward and recognition system. I think all employers, I would hope, have an intention to re recognize and reward their employees, but sometimes they get busy and they forget to 
call and thank them for doing something, reaching out at the end of the week. And thank you for all five of your shifts this week. You were on time. You stayed the full shift. Got a great customer review from Mrs. Smith. I, I think people just, employers can get busy. And so how can we supplement the intent of wanting to be a great employer with technology that can help our franchisees or our company-owned store managers um, make sure that we're being a good employer employer and recognizing behavior with, you know, a lot of technology. And so whether someone's clocking in on time, clocking out on time, it's giving stars um, to our to our caregiver. But then as a, as a franchisee or one of our offices gets a customer review, that's a five star, we can go reward um, extra stars and then message directly to the caregiver. Like, thank you so much. Mrs. Smith just sent in a five star review with you. I've added 25 stars to your bank. And allowing a personal experience. We're all about a personalized experience for our client. I believe employees deserve that too. And so we don't want to say you, you know, have X number of stars and you get a set of scrubs and this many and you get a PTO day. The caregiver can decide what's more meaningful to them. And for some, it might be time off with their family. And so having a paid time off day and being able to request that and not miss their same weekly paycheck, even though they've taken some time off. Some might want to work all five days and just have extra money coming in because they're trying to help, you know, with a party for their kids or holiday gifts or whatever it might be, or a family vacation, or they might need scrubs or they might want gas cards, you know, depending on what gas prices are going to look like over the summer, you know, making sure that's customized to what our caregiver wants. They can see in real time um, what their stars are and get thanked and have a communication tool to be able to message to their office, um, two-way kind of communication, but they also can see how they're being recognized and what that reward system looks like that was, and personalize I think, one of the it for first themselves of on how and when they redeem it. Shelley, when you said personalizing it, not just for the patients, but for the employees of the organization. And um, you said yeah, they deserve it. I couldn't agree more. There's also a question of they expect it because they experience it as customers. The rest of the world has become more relevant and personalized. And I remember saying that the words to you that we've begun, I've begun sharing on the podcast about three weeks ago, this emerging market to consumerize the employee experience, this idea that we should reorient, reorient all of the touch points around the employee, not the organization in order to meet them where they are. Uh, thoughts and reactions, Shelley? Yeah, I think just violent agreement. I think that um, making sure, I mean, especially I, I think about our frontline field staff and what special individuals they are, how selfless and compassionate in the intimate type of care they are providing for their, for the, the clients we have the honor to take care of and who's taking care of them. And what are the things that we can do along the way to help them feel a sense of pride that they should in front of their kids, in front of their families? Um, and, you know, what are the what are things that we might be able to do that make their life just a little bit easier? Um, and, and it's got us really thinking about, you know, what is what is career pathing for them? Might they want to grow with time to move from caregiver into um, certified nursing assistant into a licensed practical nurse into a registered nurse. What would that look like? Do they want to move from a field staff into a customer care manager in the office, helping to mentor other um, caregivers, progressing to branch leadership, but letting them articulate what they want their career to look like and how can we help them get there? And then are there things that they do that mm -hmm. 
might be easier to look at, you know, apps or perks to be able to help them get groceries easier and get discount cards on groceries and um, getting, you know, their, their laundry cleaned or things like that. Just kind of thinking about all the things that we might be able to do to help them feel taken care of. They are taking care of all day others. And then who's taking care of them when they come home? It's, it's really got me activated to think about, I just, I was a caregiver hands-on. I, I started my, mm. I started my brand because we couldn't find a caregiver to hire over the last six months. My future mother-in-law um, with my fiance's mom developed ca cancer and she was stage four. Um, she went mm. through four rounds of chemo. Um, God bless her, you know, just, you know, fighting as best she could and her body just, couldn't, could, couldn't win that fight. And we lost her at the end of December. I never knew that I could be a hands-on caregiver. And I was the one, you know, bathing her and, and tending to all of her most basic needs. We had Bright Star caregivers in there, um, but, she, but she was a very proud person, very private person. And so some of those most intimate needs, she wanted me to be the one, you know, helping her with. And it, it, it really connected a lot of dots for me as to what our caregivers do every day. I've always been so grateful for our caregivers and, and I knew they were doing something that I would be unable to do, but then having someone be so vulnerable and dependent and entrust me with basic, you know, um, uh, activities of daily living, you know, showering, toileting, all those kind of things. I'm like, wow, that's what our caregivers, I, I will say, get to do every single day. I mean, that, that, that ability to care for another human being, I didn't hesitate. And it actually felt like a huge honor to be able to do it. It makes me that much more passionate. What can we do for the, for our caregivers that are enabling those type of services to be done for the moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas we get to take care of? Um, because without them, we wouldn't be able to take care um, of our parents and grandparents. And so it's just, it's has me on a, on a journey right now because it's really fresh because we just had services in January about how can I speak to our caregivers directly? And I've always been grateful, but truly connect and express gratitude because I know in a very small way what it's like to do with they do every single day and how they have to be gentle and caring and compassionate um, to help another person like that. So I think being able to make sure I can message to them, but also this rewards and recognition program that we've invested in and are rolling out has been really important to me to make sure they know how valued they are. And then what more can we do? What more would make their lives easier thinking about, you know, how much they expend not just physically, but emotionally every single day, more so than probably any other job that I can think of. They pour love and compassion into mm. others all day and long. I'm sorry Who's refle replenishing yeah. that bucket yeah. for them? And I can see that that's fueling your passion. It's bringing meaning Thank to you. your world and, and you want to create, you know, the change that you, you know, that, that makes a difference from what you've experienced in your personal life. Um, you know, just to... I was thinking about the Very caregivers much. and, you know, just thinking about them as, as people that everyone's busy, everyone's busy. Everyone has notifications on their phones. We're, we're all annihilated. And, and here they are showing up to, uh, to dedicate eight hours 
of their time in order to take care of somebody else. So I, I think like a baseline you and I spoke about is how to think about them as, as humans, how to meet them where they are. And what the work that you're doing already is from where I could see is cutting edge. Even though I think it's a lot of common sense, is how do we take care of the people that take you know take care of our, our patients and customers? But uh, the world hasn't gone here yet, and and you're helping to lead the way. Rewards recognition. You talked about learning and development. Um, how do you think about the areas of you know um, touch points when you do learning and development? When you think about rewards and recognition. One of the things that comes up with innovators on the podcast all the time is let's let's meet them the way Southwest Airlines meets them or, or Uber. Let's try to aim for it's not going to happen overnight, but the journey is to simplify these experiences and, and meet them, as I keep saying, exactly where they are with the right message, right time. What do you think, Shelley? Yeah, I think, I think that's, you know, a lot of what we've, tried to do as you know i finally you know caregivers that are working for us and they're in families homes they really want to do a great job what they're ultimately wanting to do is make sure they're improving the quality of life of those they're taking care of and that's where they take the most pride but they're in a patient's home they're by themselves and so what we've spent a lot of time over the last you know five to seven years is investing in diagnosis specific data-based technology that enables for our caregiver on their phone while they're in someone's home to be able to ask specific questions that they can simply, you know, answer. And it will tell them real time whether they have something that needs to be alerted to the nurse and it will do that for them and the nurse will contact them to ask more questions so that they can feel good when they're leaving the home at the end of the day and they've done that, that there isn't going to be something that's going to wind up for that patient, sending them to the hospital or to emergency room visit that evening. And so I, I think that's what we have found with a lot of our caregivers is they love working with Brightstar because we're investing to make sure we're enabling them to provide the best care possible and they can feel good that they have real-time access to a mentor and connection point of a registered nurse. All of our locations have to have a registered nurse director of nursing all of our locations are joint commission accredited. So there's consistency and high caliber, but the caregiver is such an important part of that equation to be using the technology on their phone, helping them with simple questions, know whether something's wrong because they're not a, they're not usually an LPN or an RN, helping them know mm. if something is off based upon weight gain, temperature, um, change in lifestyle, sleeping pattern, a set of questions that this is something that the nurse needs to be alerted. We've sent her a message, make sure that you get in contact before you leave the home so we can triage something and try to avoid um, an unfortunate incident. And, and that making things simple to your point, we've really tried to distill it to the, the technology knows what the diagnosis of the patients. They know their history of the patient. So the, so the caregiver doesn't have to know all of that. They can answer five unique questions depending on that patient. The five questions are different for every other patient with different diagnoses and different ages and different risk factors. But answer those five questions. And if one of those questions has a something's changed type of answer, 
it knows that the registered nurse needs to be alerted. So the caregiver feels good going home to focus on her family or his family because the the, the patient that they've been taking care of is going to be yeah. safe you, and good that evening until she or he is back it's the next day. easy and it creates a peace of mind for that individual and for their organization. Um, what about learning and development and, and taking that as an example, exactly. and again, whether it's current state or future state, because, uh, you know, obviously it's eight hours a day, they're coming to someone's home. Are they going to invest the time to learn on their own? Do they remember how to do it? Are you following up with them? Are you thinking about it the way a marketer would think about it, running campaigns and encouragements? Again, current state or future state? Curious about your vision, Sean. Again, current state or future state? Curious about your vision, We've, um, we're doing pilots right now and we've invested in the technology so that we can suggest web-based learning so they can do it from where it's convenient for them and whether that's evening or weekend um, to be able to progress their skills. In most states, um, caregivers have to do a certain number of CEU courses per year. So this is enabling to keep them, their skills up with something they're not having to pay for, um, but suggesting based upon the type of clients that they're traditionally taking care of or depending on what they've indicated their progression path is that they want to get exposure to or be ready for that will suggest and no cost to them uh, doing the education, tracking the education, issuing certificates so they can feel proud about that, share it with the family as they as they've earned. And then later in 2023, our LMS, our learning management system and our reward system, those technologies will be connected so they also can re receive stars mm, or reward holistic. recognition that's for a, a the training that they those complete. Those pieces of the employee experience. That's real interesting. That's um, and then uh, let's go back to rewards and recognition for a moment as well. How, how easy is that for someone that, again, goes into, into patients' homes and is it all on the phone? Is it meeting you where you are? Is it pinging you? How, how convenient is that? It's all on the phone. Mm -hmm. Very easy. It's you know, it's right accessible from from their phone, um, and certain behaviors that they do is um, is automating uh, rewards for them. So, um, let's say picking up an, uh, a shift at the last minute might give twenty five stars. Clocking in on time might give one star. Clocking out on time might give. Um, another one star. So if they have five shifts in a week, two touch points, begin of shift, end of shift, that could be 10 points. Picking up a shift, you know, um, at the last minute might be 25 points. As a, as a client um, sends in a thank you or testimonial for the caregiver, that would be mm -hmm. something where um, the office would enter it in and it would send an alert to the caregiver. Congratulations. Your client has sent in a five-star review on there. We've added 50 stars to your account. You know, thank you for all you do. And it's, it's kind of automating that communication. Caregiver has a question about their schedule and they don't want to pick up the phone in front of the client, right? Um, to, to do that, they could message within the, mm -hmm. within this two-way app. So it's for word and recognition. It's also a communication vehicle. It was very helpful um, during some of the stages of COVID because we started piloting this um, in um, sec second half of 2020. Uh, one um, across some of our locations. I think it was an opportunity for us to see, you know, how the technology could be used. Some of the floods in Florida, um, um, in Naples and kind of Sarasota 
area. It was how the offices were communicating with their caregivers when everything else was kind of down. Um, they were still communicating on that as to what they should do about work and things like that um, and thanking them and checking on them and making sure they were safe. It was kind of a check-in communication vehicle. So it's, it's reward and recognition. It also hopefully will enhance communication in a simple, to your point, in the way they already work and, and, and in the, the devices they already we're, use we're um, in an easy to use marketing. way. How are we adapting the experience on the customer side and what you're describing now kind of sounds like it's live chat that we use, whether you're calling a bank or something, it's super convenient. And the stars sounds like a Yelp review or something like that, where it, again, it's super simple. It's intuitive, something we already do. Um, Shell, it's amazing. Like as innovators, I'm sure listening, saying, yep, that this is exactly what we all need to be thinking about. If we could, let's kind of zoom out and think about this as an industry, as an emerging industry. Um, what we've been discussing over the last couple of weeks, if in, indeed, adoption of marketing is a thing. Uh, it would require people process technology, probably data as a separate but Who's going to do the work? What's the process they're gonna follow? What technologies are there? And you already mentioned a number of technologies. There's data. But on the people side, as you think about meeting the pressure to consumerize and adopting marketing, do you envision an entire team dedicated? Is it part of the HR world? Where does it sit inside the organization for innovators to learn from? Where does it sit inside the organization for innovators to learn from? Yeah, I mean, we're a franchise brand. So a lot of the, the recruiting in HR resides in the organizational chart for our, uh, for our franchisees. We have a mm -hmm. talent management team that kind of functions more as a train the trainer. And so I think as these things are evolving, you know, like we have a conference coming up next week with um, all of our offices and many are sending their recruiters that are interacting and being trained by our talent management group on some of these things. Um, we have, you know, some AI chat for our employer um, uh, website um, so that, you know, again, just like consumer has been there for a little while we now are testing that and piling that and have good had had good success for the employee side of that equation so there's breakout groups to teach kind of the recruiters how to use that um, similarly how to use these reward programs how to use the learning management uh, programs and so i think it's a train the trainer approach that we are utilizing versus a large corporate um, mm -hmm. organization. I think we look at a decentralized um, approach um, and whether, even if I wasn't a franchise or I think that's still the right approach. We're looking at that. We've got 10% of our network or company owned locations. And we similarly are looking at that, you know, local recruiter might be powered by, you know, a, a regional uh, lead that's helping, you know, kind of mentor them, but the caregivers come to have experience with someone locally, we think it's it's easier to continue and maintain that relationship. It might be a little bit more expensive, but there's nothing more essential to growth than, than talent. And so let's meet them where they are. Let's make it personal. Let's not make it transactional. And I'm all for technology and, and efficiency, but there's no way to automate relationships. And so how do we make sure that we have that local presence? And then as things are evolving and change management needs to occur, let's have resources to empower all the locations to know how to evolve, whether, you know, we're doing some, some pilots in a few late locations on TikTok videos. And so, you know, what's the, what's the age of the worker in different parts of our country and how are we meeting them where they are? But let's pilot, let's learn, let's see if we reach people we didn't otherwise reach 
reach and let's see if we reach people in a way they want to be reached um, and then learn from that. And then if it is having great success, we can roll it out broader. But we try to do a test and learn approach with pilots before we roll it out brand wide. Test and learn, pilot, see where it goes. Uh, Interesting, you mentioned the word relationship. I've, I've been doing a lot of thinking recently about, you know, when you take the customer experience that we're trying to model, what's the difference between sales and marketing? And, um, you know, sales owns the relationship for sure, but perhaps marketing owns the message. And if, the, if that is then extrapolated internally and we say what's the difference between HR and internal marketing or marketing to employee experience, within the employee experience, uh, we say HR owns the relationship and then the marketing owns the message. And then to bring that back to the recruiting side, what I've been hearing is because uh, the talent war is raging in particular markets and industries is this idea of how do we learn from almost like a shopping cart abandonment? Did they click? Did they view the post? Did they respond? Did they schedule the next step? Did they sign the offer? How many hours? What do you send? Is there a phone call that goes out? Which is literally in marketing funnels being created around recruiting. Shelly, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, what I like about some of these technology tools is it allows us to see if we're headed in the right direction and what things are getting the most engagement uh, from our caregivers. And so the some of these pilots for our you know autom automation of the of the reward and recognition system um, from you know six twelve months ago, seventy five percent of them are still clicking and liking and interacting with us on a weekly basis. So it says we were able to reach and connect in the right way. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you fine tune what's missing for the 25% um, that want to be communicated with differently? So we don't miss 25% of our workforce would be a lot of our workforce to, to, to miss. 75% I'm very encouraged by. And so it's it's mm-hmm. continuing to look at the data. I think you and I both are you know kind of data junkies. And so the data will tell us if we're headed the right direction, um, but we want to make sure we're not missing out some people may not be comfortable with technology, right? And so what we're working on and what we're innovating with might work with 75%. How are we going to make sure we're, you know, reaching out and connecting with the 25% that might not want to engage with us on the technology side? And I go back, you know, still founder for the brand. The way I used to use it before technology was so commonplace is we would do pancake breakfasts, you know, once or twice a month. And the folks that were coming off the 7 a.m. shift, they would be able to come to the breakfast and we were doing from 7 to 9 a.m. And those that were going in to start at 9 a.m. would come before they went to work. And we'd have a chance to say thank you and have camaraderie and like, how are we doing for you? What could we be doing better? You know, thank you for all you're doing. Here's some educational kind of resources we want to make sure you're aware of. What else do you need that we could enable you to do your jobs better? And so I think having that combination of um, um, offline and online uh, type of uh, recruiting, uh, retention, engagement type of programs. And I think we are evolving a lot as an industry and as a country towards a lot of online mm-hmm. tools. There's a part of our workforce that doesn't want to engage that way. And so how do we make sure that we aren't missing the relationship for those that don't want to connect with us online? They want to connect with us in totally. person. And, and there in needs to be probably so a combination they, they of those two. possibly be replicated. 
but it, but but the, I can totally see that some populations are simply not going to engage in technologies. They're they're going to withdraw. Seventy five percent that you mentioned that's incredible. The aspiration to get to a hundred is of course uh, admirable, but seventy five percent is a is a huge success. Uh, and Shelly, just taking it kind of full circle to where we started, we talked about technology and uh, its role in making work more meaningful. And really, when we think about how to make it more meaningful, it, it touches all aspects of that experience, whether it's recruiting, being discussing about the importance of the work that, that they're going to do, it's, it's the onboarding, it's the training, it's the career path, it's the reward and recognition. Really, it's all touch points that are contributing to making work more meaningful. I mean, how would you position it? Yeah, no, I, I think you, I think you said it well. I think we're, there are so many touch points. I mean, I'd say from the start of the journey to, you know, onboarding to, you know, teaching them how to, you know, submit for their time to, you know, every single week we're giving them a new schedule, right? So there's, there's hundreds of touch points over the year. Um, which ones are going to have the most impact, um, um, cause an employee to be the most engaged, uh, lead them to stay with their employer and feel good about their employer. And that's the ones we've kind of chosen to prioritize first. Um, we feel like given what we do every day, the meaning of work is the most important thing. Um, at least what we've heard in the, the studies that we've had commissioned of our workforce or those that want to be in our workforce, what's most important to them. Um, and so it's that meaning of their work and knowing they had an impact on improving the lives of the customers that they're taking care of. And so automating that technology, investing in that technology is kind of where we started on this path. Um, and then what we heard kind of second is we want to be developed. We want to have a career path. We, you know, for the rest of our lives, we may not have the stamina. We're aging too. We may not be able to lift someone right into a bed and into a shower. And so what's our career path if our body starts to give out? And so how do you intellectually develop me to potentially have a career path towards an office job, not just a caregiving job where I can have an impact on clients and their well-being by mentoring others, but not physically doing the labor. And we're thinking a lot about and investing in career pathing because we've got, you know, 380 plus locations across the country. You know, as we're opening more, all of them are going to need customer care managers, branch managers. And so how do we take some portion of our caregivers and create a care plan for them, a career path for them to be able to move into some of these kind of office jobs um, where that might be a desire of them over the next, you know, two to five years. Uh, and so we want to be really intentional about that. And so that was the second one that we heard. And then, we, you know, just like occasionally it'd be nice to just have gratitude and a thank you and know that we're doing a good job and the rewards and recognition became really important to think about how do we do that at scale and consistency. Um, but there's other things, you know, uh, we'll, we'll never rest because uh, we want every touch point to be great. Um, so the onboarding, uh, you know, will probably be the next one in the, in the series that we'll probably look at in 2024. How do you, how do you make that experience more fun? Um, there's things you have to do as part of that onboarding process, but it can, uh, mm -hmm. seem, start to seem like you're, um, checking off a checklist instead of really grateful that someone's joining your team, joining your culture. And like for all of our uh, franchise support center employees that work for me and our corporate owned locations, I do a monthly CEO welcome to the team and get, tell them about the background and have them all kind of introduce themselves. And I get to know them a little bit better. How do we enable franchisees to do that as they're 
building their, you know, external workforce and their internal team at scale because I'm not their employee's employer. Um, so I can't do it for them. But how do we enable them to kind of what does good look like um, that we've been trying, but helping them do it with some tools and consistency and some templates, that'll be kind of next up. But I think it is thinking about all those touch points. We we do have as a brand standard that our offices should be checking in with a caregiver within 24 hours of their first shift with a new client at seven days and 30 days and every 30 days thereafter, just making sure that they're in a good setting, uh, they're being treated well, do they need any tools or resources that we might not have otherwise been aware of? And it gives them an opportunity to to be seeking information out of them. Uh, if they're not someone who's going to raise it up voluntarily, at least we have a forum to try to see um, if we could improve their experience and ultimately then change awesome. and improve and, and the that experience of the client. There's your highlight care. of all touch points. Shelly agrees. Awesome. I think, I think all, all of us on this journey are saying there's going to be a moment in time when the customer experience um, will translate in a very big part of the employee experience. And it will be all touch points. We're not going to leave one, whether it's performance management, as we said, recruiting, onboarding, all aspects. Um, Shelly, I'm realizing time flew by. I looked at the time and said, well, wait a second, I can keep going and going. This, this is awesome. Um, advice. What advice would you give? So we either have folks that are, you know, they're C-level either on the marketing side or on the HR, perhaps people, people, um, officers, more and more chief people officers as positions. There are CEOs coming in. What, what advice would you give to continue to adapt, you know, marketing to meet the pressure to consumerize, um, for them to be encouraged on their journeys? Yeah, um, I think it uh, take the time to understand what's important to your employees or to those that would be your employees. So I think you know, f- you know, for the last ten years, it was very common to do customer journey research, um, you know, once a year. In the last few years, we've been doing customer and and caregiver and nurse journey research. What's mean? What what matters to them? And then let's prioritize. We can't bite the elephant all at once, but we can take one bite at a time, prioritize against what's important to them, let them know we heard them and we want to be the best employer. We want to be that employer of choice. So we're going to continue to evolve. So I think seeking information that informs prioritization and then recognize it doesn't all have to be done. You know, if every year or every six months within a year, we could get one major process improved um, so that we're helping our employees know how important they are to what we deliver to our customers and how important they are to us, that will improve culture. It will improve engagement and ultimately will improve retention. Arguably, it will improve revenues and profitability as well because turnover is expensive. And so keeping those that we've got improves profitability. So invest in your employees because it actually, that investment, has a very large ROI because it means you're being able to invest money in people who are staying with you, making them better than having to go spend money on the next person that might leak out of your funnel. I'd much rather invest money in the employees that are already part of my brand. And I think sometimes I hear employers say, well, that's, that would be really expensive to train my employees and, and or do a recognition program. I would argue it's far more expensive to have them walk out the door to a competitor or to another industry and have to go start over. And your customers, 
do not like when the people they come to rely on, whether that's at a restaurant or retail setting, a hospitality setting or healthcare, they don't like a change and who's taking care of them. And so revenue profitability is best uh, retained and improved by investing in our workforce, but start with a little bit at a time, um, but listen to what the employees want and prioritize and invest. It will be the best from my experience, best be the, the best ROI, ROI that I have in is investing Shelly. in my team. Uh, amazing advice on behalf of all the innovators that are listening. Um, thank you for your time and for your brilliance. Over and out. Thanks, Adam.